up, bitches! Like if I, you know, I started, by the way. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but no, I, I do. Like, I saw someone the other day, they were just like, I'm a mental health advocate. Like, you know, I'm mm. just going to go into this assuming that you're okay with people mentally not breaking down all the time. So, you know, or someone's like, anti-racism. Like, again, also, I, I, I get a little iffy when I think that you have to point that out on your profile. <laughs> Now I think that you've done something that you're trying to confident that you're trying to fix. Yeah. It's a, but yeah, that's like mental health advocacy has now become a a personality trait. Even a uh even a commodity sometimes. People are using that. People are using that. Mental health, well yeah, people are gonna look for anything that <sighs> there's a lot of weird ways to make a living. Um <laughs> there really are. Like, and I'm, I'm for it. Like when there's stuff that people are like, you want to know what this should exist in the world. That's a, I'm like, yeah, um, try it, whatever it is. If it seems like there's something that people might want and you can create it in some way, that is, that's a cool playground. Um, so when we talk about like just bounds of creativity in general. I like try to find people that are doing all sorts of weird stuff. Just that's part of great culture. I, that's kind of what I do. Uh, just not, not successful at it. (laughs) uh, But like, uh, yeah, like there's this scene. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie cocktail with Tom Cruise. It's okay if you haven't. I, I haven't. You can miss it. It's yeah. fine. No, I, the, that's actually something that's on the list that I'm supposed to watch. I know. Cocktail? Really? I, I am supposed to watch that movie. Who gave you that list? I gave, my, I gave myself lists. You gave yourself homework. Yes, Good all the you. time. Yeah. Good for you. If I gave myself homework, I'd be like, you know what? You pass. Go, f- <laughs> go fucking watch TV. There's, <laughs> there's some stuff that I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to watch that. Yeah, I've got the app like to do, movies to do. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And whenever there's like, yes, I should watch that at some point in time. Yes, I should watch that at some point in time. Yes, I should watch that at some point in time. And it gets, it just like, it does add up. But I know that's that's a movie that I'm like, I, I feel like I should watch that. It would be enriching to my understanding of, of pop culture. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's because that's like, you know, that's and it, it kind of ties into my wife and I doing the same thing where we're like, okay, every year, like the Oscars come around, we're like, she's like, do you want to watch? I'm like, I never want to watch it. Mainly because I don't know any of the movies and I've mainly, I'm, I've maybe seen two of them, maybe if I'm lucky. And uh, we, it came around time where uh, Top Gun Maverick came out and I was like, I really want to watch this movie. She's like, I do too. She's like, but I haven't seen the original one. I'm like, that's just bonkers to me. Because the movie, regardless of of what you think about it, it's just kind of awesome. It's an 80s awesome movie. And we sat down and watched it. And I remember talking with a bunch of people about it. But I was like, well, we we finally watched Top Gun. The amount of times I'd have to pause the movie because my wife's like, why is this happening? And I'm like, 
it was 1986. You understand? Like, we didn't flinch at this shit in 1986. In 86, this made sense. In 86, it was endearing to follow a woman into the bathroom after she already turned you down to try to get her to have sex with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that was endearing. Yeah, like, that happened in the movie. In 1986, yeah. we're all like, classic Tom. And yeah. now we're all just like, fuck, Tom. Yeah. Oh, get out of the bathroom, man. She already said no. no. They definitely did not revisit that in Maverick. No, thank Christ. Yeah. Yeah. They tried to recreate the uh, the volleyball scene with, I think, flag football or something. Either yeah, way. They, they did. I honestly thought that Maverick was phenomenal. I oh, really I thought did. it was too. It was really good. I saw the pre... Man, I saw the pre before. I was like, I got us. And it was, man. That got done because I was... Man, I was ready to join the Navy after Top Gun in 86. And I was very young. But when that happened, I mean, it was just so good. The scenes, everything was just good. It's just, it, the guy still fucking makes good movies, man. He I just, really still, I don't know how that was, what, 30 years later? And he, like, he doesn't even look that much different. No, he doesn't. But that's the, whatever his secret is that we don't know about. I mean, yeah. that guy has, that guy has secrets that we just don't know about for staying. He's closing in on 60. He looks better than I do. He's Tom Cruise has to be over 60. I bet you he's 58 or 59. I bet you he's a plus 60. Okay. If I'm right, I get the I have I get all the rights to gray culture. <laughs> <laughs> Watch me women you're like cool, take it on. It's heavily in debt. It's heavily in debt. 61. Damn. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay, either way, he looks... But anyway... The, he looks phenomenal. He does. He looks great. But the t- cocktail, there was a bunch of these movies that kind of came right after... Because Top Gun made that. He was only in like five movies when that first Top Gun came out. And then one of them right after Top Gun was Cocktail, I think. Like pretty soon after. And the movie's kind of goofy. Um, but there's a scene when it goes back to like you know, the, like you know inventing and finding new ways to make money. And he's talking to Elizabeth Shue. Uh, they're just on a date. And he's just like, there's a guy that makes these things at the end of your shoelaces. You know, little plastic things. Like, there's a guy that makes those. Called aglets. Fuck, you know what those are? Oh, I didn't know what they were. I just thought, I just called them shoelace ends, or the ends of the shoelace. So I'm actually never going to forget that now. I'm going to throw that out at a party, and I'm going to look crazy smart. But he just sitting there, he's talking about, there's a guy that's, that's now a gazillionaire because all shoes have these things. And he was just a guy that was a bartender, but he was always looking for a way to make money and in this new business. And he was he wanted to be an entrepreneur, but the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur is thinking of something that people actually want. And then someone comes out with aglets. Yes. And it's like, hey, you know your shoes? You want to make it easier to tie? This. <laughs> and now, all of a sudden, every shoe ever has those. Every shoe most ever has that. You don't even think twice about Not it. Not at all. Yeah. And that's wild. That guy is a gazillionaire somewhere. And... I don't even consider, I, I wouldn't even think about that. I'd, I've been so used to having those because those things have been around for so long. Yeah, you guys just think about like just micro observations of what like tiny problems are and simple ways that you might fix them or large complicated systems that could be improved or, you know, sometimes things don't, don't need to be improved at all. It's just a lot of the nature of anything that's within art is just trying to create some sort of escape from a regular life. Um, we want to tweak things that are already working and be successful of that. Like I've just recently been people have been asking me about threads. They're like, what is yeah. I'm like, what is threads? And they're like, it's just another social media app. I'm like, we have too many of those. 
There are too many of them. I don't really. I signed. I signed up for the Threads thing and didn't post anything there. Just sort of parking lot it. Um, I don't really use TikTok right now. Um, I know that TikTok. There's something I actually really like the premise around what TikTok does and how it works, where it's less so around if you have a pre-established following, like essentially on TikTok, your, your following matters, but it doesn't matter as much. Basically anybody, if you create, regardless of your, um, your profile, you can create a, a piece of content that if people are interested in it, it sort of just catches wind and the TikTok moves it so that the content moves around interests and not around individual people, um, where it's sort of difficult to break a barrier if in the other social media, do you know what I mean? In the other social media space, there's like the giant accounts that are, get all of this attention and then it's difficult to get in to, to squeeze in. TikTok doesn't work that way. It's just constantly trying to give you things that you like, not stuff from people that you've qualified by saying you like yeah. them, whether or not you'll like all of their content or not. TikTok is wild for it's it's literally a someone created something that creates that that creates successful young people. Yeah. That's what the app is. The app create like I didn't know somebody. I don't. Someone was being interviewed. I didn't know who it was, and I I asked. I think I asked my wife. I'm like, I don't know who is that, and she's like, she's a TikToker. I'm like, yeah, but what, what does she do? She's like, she TikToks. <laughs> and I went to she and runs a media like, company. So this girl lip syncs and does dances that have already been done, mm-hmm. and she that's that's how she made her living. And I don't mean when I say made her living, I mean she has like 300 million followers. She has to figure out how to monetize sure. that. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, and TikTok is interesting because they do monetize for you. Like, you'll just by creating things, you can create the OVA. There's a creator profiles, and yeah. TikTok will pay you directly if you make things that people really like. Yeah. It's in some, and I, I'm not saying some of it's not. There is a guy, I'm almost certain that there is a guy that is. He is a very famous, very well-known TikToker, and I'm almost certain that the most amazing thing about him is that he's never spoken on any of his TikToks. He just reacts. Right. He's sort of dude. like a yeah, like yeah. a Charlie Chaplin yes. kind of. All he uh, does is react. Yeah. And I was like, that is so dumb. And then I watched like 40 of his videos right in a row. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I could watch this dude react to freaking anything. He's just like observing like stupid yeah. things in regular day life. I have, I mean, some of them obviously everyone just kind of jumping on and doing the same thing that other people have liked. I have seen some TikToks that are kind of creative, and some of them are really, really funny. Like there's this one guy that just kind of exert inserts himself into situations. I know he's not in the situation. He's like just at like some white trash dinner party, which is one he would do a lot. He's just sitting there, just you know, having a drink, and he's nodding and waving to people, and then it pans back to the party, and an absolutely bonkers fight breaks out, and it's just him reacting to it. I don't think he speaks either. And something very, very simple. And this guy has, you know, like two, three million followers. Yeah. It's, it's, but I mean, it's, that, that's just what it is now. It's, it's something that uh, I, I can wrap my head around at the same time. I cannot wrap my head around it. 
It's a. Uh, we were talking about threads and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't really understand. There, that seems to me like that. This new one is just um, because of what's going on with the with Twitter. Yeah. Um, because there's because there's some uncertainty around um, Twitter that has made space for Facebook, aka Meta, the Zuck. Uh, to create a tw- direct Twitter competitor, threads is, threads of from me, from one glance, it doesn't look any different than just Twitter, um, ex- and and it directly links back and forth with your Instagram. Yeah, like so, your whatever Instagram follows you already have, you already have them on Threads. Yeah, which uh, yeah, so like I mean, within the last couple of days, someone explained that to me. And like, well, it's okay. You don't have to find followers. You already have them. I'm like, I still don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't. Well, like you just said. And I'm like, well, how's it different than Twitter? And they're like, well, it's not. I'm like, so we're not even trying anymore. No, it's <laughs> it's not. There's just a space because there is uh, some social um, some social backlash against Twitter right now because of moves that the ownership yeah. is making. That's a. Uh, I don't know. Twitter's so massive. I uh, I know people have said. If this happens, I'm getting off Twitter. I don't think anyone's. I'm sure someone does. People just love Twitter too much. There's been a there's been a, a large exodus of like some major. I think that NPR left Twitter. Um, that was a big, big thing to move. Um, I do know that like Donald Trump was a massive part of the Twitter, like, like there was a lot of Twitter was around. That's an example. As we were talking earlier about like. TikTok doesn't work this way where there's just like singular accounts that suck up all the action. Yeah. When there's like things grow within a lot of social, these other ones that are just based around whatever the biggest accounts are. And so it's all about trying to get in close. And there's a gravitational pull around all the biggest accounts, regardless of what ever like ideology is surrounding them, Mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. Um, there's just like the bigger they are, the more gravitational pull that they have. Um, and then because the, so people can figure out how to make money just by being in a space that's like in proximity around, uh, an account that's getting a lot of attention. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I, I find I'm not active on Twitter. I, I send out a tweet once a week when I have a guest, that's it. Just, hey, I have a guest, that's it. And then I'm pretty much out. But I have found, like, I mean, parody accounts, like like accounts that are clear and obvious parodies. I think you actually have to identify as a parody account, too, on Twitter. But clear and obvious parody accounts, but they're political parody accounts. Uh So they throw out really absurd, you know, like conservative views. And then you get to the end of the... The, the tweet, you're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Why do I still think that was real? It's absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> but it has hundreds of thousands of follows, and people still respond to it like, maybe you think that way because and it's like, and then someone's like, dude, this isn't real. <laughs> like, it's not a real account. But yeah. there's, I mean, the, it's taking something that is polarizing and then turning it into a joke and then being successful on it. It's, again... It's yeah. a brilliant business plan. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is all just, just the uh, this is all just media now. Yeah. 
the we've we've entered a new space where there's some people are calling social media social media still but it's really all media is like if you're running a media company you're running a media company this is a media what you have right here whether you're making money doing this uh, podcast or not you're creating media and you're distributing media and it is gaining audience and this is the baseline for a media business yes yeah uh I am a very I'm 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 a very poor media source uh, for a lot of reasons. Usually, the things I say aren't true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which actually, I guess for some media, maybe it doesn't have to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does. I can monetize. The, like you talk about, like monetize. as you were just you were just saying, <laughs> you're just saying these people will do this stuff, and it's not true at all. Yeah. Like, and this gets hundreds of thousands. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, this is just the nature of creating creating media. Yeah. Um, no, so I, it's a it is wild. Like I, I look at uh, I look at really in just the last like five six years. You know what it's become. You know you're seeing like huge drops. Like you see what's happening like with CNN. You know CNN is. I really miss James Earl Jones CNN. I really like them a lot. Um, I don't think he was ever actually an anchor, but I certainly loved when he would introduce it. He was like you know the Darth Vader voice. This is CNN. I'm like this Darth Vader, CNN. Field of Dreams. Fucking love you, man. Uh, but yeah, like that. That's gone through a massive overhaul. I mean, I think they've anything the light touches is all your kingdom. Yeah, exactly. That guy could read anything to me, and I'd be like, "That's my news outlet. I don't <laughs> care what it is." But like that's gone a massive overhaul. They've lost all, lost or cut all of their. I, 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 I think we're like this last like year, especially we've seen a lot of you know Don Lemon gone. Uh, Tucker Carlson gone. I never thought that was going to happen. I didn't think that was going to happen either. He's so young. Yeah. Um, it was it was unsurprising to me when Bill O'Reilly. Um, yeah. I mean, that's he seemed kind of a, a ticking time bomb for a long time, like probably twenty years. Uh, but uh, yeah, I did not see the Tucker Carlson thing coming. Was it a guy, a conservative anchor for a, a while ago that really um, people will jump off of the air and then uh, the the mainstream airwaves, which so they can sort of gain some notoriety and some fan base, and then off of uh, internet distribution, whatever right. their like their name and itself in a long a lot of ways. Um, Public relations is just about awareness. Um, you, if you are aware of something, then you can get access to it. Yeah. It's just, it's just about like and that's part of the reason why like Kanye's crazy antics, that type of stuff. That's clearly just like he's just like okay, I know. Bonkers gets me impressions, and as long as people know about me, I will be searched for, and therefore, like, my name will garner yet more attention at any time, and it's just, and if he's easily able to, like, snap, grab attention, then he can figure out how to monetize that attention. Um, he's a, He's one of the wilder ones. And I oh, don't for mean, sure. I mean, but I, in terms of, he was, so he did a, so he did an interview on Joe Rogan's podcast, which is the largest podcast in the world. But that was teased. I swear to God, they talked about it for a year. And we're all just like, Jesus, when is it? Like, guests would come on. 
Like, when is this going to happen? We want to hear that guy talk for two hours straight. Yeah. And he came on, and it exploded. And it is an absolutely horrible interview. <laughs> it's, I mean, he... I've would, never checked it out. It don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's because you're... I think we all wanted him to have, like, a, like a, a sit-down conversation where you kind of got to know his personality and got, got what makes him tick. He just... He would like you would ask him a question. He would ask Rogan would ask him a question. He would talk for twenty minutes, and you would forget what the question even was. That's kind of amazing. It would just go in circles, in circles, and because of this, and because, and even like, by the time he got to the end, I'm like, what did I? I've listened to it twice. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time, I even I knew how crazy it was, and the second time, I only got about forty minutes into it. I'm like, I can't do this. I don't even know what they're talking about anymore. It was just somebody. It's like if I just like turned this on and said, hi, thanks for coming. Now, literally tell me anything that pops in your mind for the next hour and 50 <laughs> minutes. And I don't want you to bridge. I don't want you to segue. I just want anything that pops up. Cotton candy, dogs, guns, Ferris wheels, the Tesla. <laughs> just you're, keep it coming, man. That's what it was. You're pretty good at just like uh, like grab bagging. Like, like <laughs> That's kind of what it any, was. <laughs> any. Any random th- uh, thread. That, that, was, that was what was coming out of my head. Yeah. And it was, uh, I don't know. But for his, I think for me, like for that one, that was a, it was the build up to it. And then you get there and you're like, fuck, I waited a year for this. This is terrible. Yeah. Granted, I still listen to it. But I mean, that th- I bet I don't even know what it was. I wish I'd paid attention to it. I know I was on a road trip when it came out. And I remember probably, I remember it had a couple hundred thousand views within like 90 minutes. Because everyone was just like, I can't wait to hear what this is. Yeah, that's the point. And nothing really came of it, though. Like, you you certainly sure. didn't gain any insight other than this guy really needs help. No, I mean, there's the things that we're looking for from media is or anything in entertainment, really, is, yeah. is some, of, some form of escape. Sometimes we're uh, looking for to learn. Um, that's one of the best places where you see media. Like, and there's a lot of stuff um, that's an increase in content around um, people trying to educate um, and in, in a positive way too. It's, it's difficult to know because sometimes people are teaching about stuff that they don't necessarily know and there's a perpetuation of some false uh, facts in, oh, yeah. some, in a lot of ways. And whether that's malicious or not, I, I don't think that people like – as a rule, are are malicious in distributing like misinformation, like, but some it does happen oh, uh, yeah. more than we would like. Um, I mean, we, we all spread misinformation whether we're trying to or not. It's just because it's it's a especially if it's not like a Q and A interview and it's just like a conversation. I'll say something today to you or to someone where I'm going to be like, well, I think it's because of this because yeah. of, and, and I'm like, there might be partial truths to it. But don't base your next conversation on that. It's just, right. hey, I'm, I'm kind of taking recollections if I've had around that topic. I'm throwing them out there, sometimes with a couple beers in me. So it's going to get a little jumbled. It's like the... Oh, the we should have had beers. That would have been nice. We still can. This Man. is not a professional place. <laughs> like, I, was, I, I was, just get up and grab them. I really don't care. I was watching uh, as like doing the doom scroll thing, and there's somebody that had like potatoes, and they were like, saying that they painted the potatoes red to increase their value. Um, and 
was like you you could possibly believe that, but they were clearly actually just red skin potatoes, and they were washing them off like with a power washer. Um, but it was like for that, for that person, they thought it was funny to say, you know, we're gonna paint the potatoes red to increase their value. Try to sell them to Whole Foods. <laughs> and, and I'm just, okay, okay, yeah, this is satire. Yeah, yeah, this is what. So, and that's, yeah, you would want the, getting these like pieces of satire that are people will catch on to and don't know that it's actually false. Yeah, and then it's it causes fights around a uh, Thanksgiving dinner table. I've you know I've always when you talk about like misinformation because a, a, a lot of basis for misinformation is also a misunderstanding, and I, I do think that we have to kind of accept there's just a lot of people out there that aren't very intelligent. But, <laughs> but you're, you're but you can't you can't be like, hey man, you're too stupid to talk or give an opinion. Everyone's allowed to have an opinion, but that's where a lot of it comes from is because then it just gets. This person, it's the telephone game. An actual fact will start here, and then it'll they'll hear it on the radio, and then they'll hear it on a television show. Then they'll hear two people on a podcast talking about the radio or the television show. And then there's jokes, and then they like that part. And then they try to explain it to a friend, and because they're stupid, they missed the actual fact that occurred over here, and they're on the fifth, you know, fifth telephone line, and they're relaying that. And you're like, that can't be true. You're like, of course it's true. I heard it on a podcast. They were talking about the newsreel. Mm-hmm. So it's absolutely true. Yeah. And then someone's like, hey, do you know what Joe just said? And someone's like, God, Joe is dumb. And mm-hmm. boom. And he's like, and they're like, no, Joe's not dumb. Joe heard that on the news. The news isn't dumb. Of course the news is dumb. Mm-hmm. It is if I repeat it. <laughs> you know, it just keeps, keeps, keeps going. Yeah, it's a game of telephone. Yeah, that's what that's what a lot of it is. Because a lot of us love, we love knowing the answer to stuff. We don't, lo- no, we don't, we're not super in love with knowing the right answer to stuff. But when someone like asks you a question, you're like, God, I really wish I knew that because I'd love to answer it. <laughs> this is you were getting into the a, a lot of the reason around the stuff that I do yeah. in in great culture is about in person connectivity, um, which is like it's somehow a novel thing to be like, well, this would be better if we could do. Do you ever do live? Do you ever do live podcasts? Yeah, I, I did one in March. I have one in August. Excellent. Doing these things, uh, getting people together, live. Yeah. Audience. Um, there's a lot. There's something that's really magical about getting, like, literally just getting tons of people together. Um, and I, I feel like that's a core tenant of everything. Great culture is that there's. Uh, that game of telephone can sort of break down a little bit. Um, people can actually uh, find understanding or areas of collaboration. There's just like all this stuff that's like happens when you get people together literally in the same room. Um, and you don't have to have specific intention as long as everyone is there to be open and uh, c- just consider like being amongst a, a community of people. Um, that's it. I, I, I don't think there's anything better than a live show. I, in, a live music, live interviews, live yeah. podcasts. I, I've seen them all and I, I just I just I love them. I really, really do. It's um, I really like live podcasts. I don't see a lot of them. 
There's um, there's gonna be there's gonna be more. I hope there are because I, I do like them a lot. This isn't a thing that's. Um, we've had this break where, like, yes, the media space, the social media, uh, all the distribution sort of matters, but actually being in the room and present with other human beings um, is massively good for our dun, 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 mental health um, in, a, in a lot of ways. We should end it right there. there. Yeah. Mental health. We, we've come full circle. <laughs> full circle. That's a podcast. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, now that we're 27 minutes in, I should probably introduce you. Uh, sure. <laughs> so you go by Thomas. Uh, I go by Thomas. A lot of people call me Tom. A lot of people from the internet call me Tommy. Because of my handle, Tommy Loves Soup. Yes. Um, I've never actually been a Tommy. Is anything other than a joke? Um, <laughs> that's that's fun. But yeah, I've had um, my family calls me Thomas, and that's like sort of. But my uh, in the music community, man, I've lived a lot of lives. Uh, so in the music community, Tom Fox is a pretty prevalent character that is uh, kind of. Still present in a way. Yeah, I don't know. My mental health, this is something I'm trying to figure out. It's, yeah. Thomas is is, uh, the oldest and most pervasive version of me. Okay, well, the the most basic question, I think, probably the the core to explain you. Do you really love soup? And if (laughs) so, what is your favorite soup? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, if you only were the 1,000th person to ask me that. It's just Tommy Love Soup. I just I booked someone next week. I think his handle is a, a bitchy vegan homo. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to be like, I don't get it, man. I know nothing <laughs> about you. <laughs> uh, Tommy Love Soup was a joke uh, when I was around maybe 19 or 20, and uh, someone was explaining Twitter to me um, and said – you've got to do this. You're a great writer and you are a great speaker and this is microblogging. You don't have to do like a lot of stuff. You just get in there. And I was like, what am I? I don't have a topic. I'm not an expert on anything. I don't know. I was like, I'm a college student. Um, I have a massive amount of interests. I don't like, what am I going to do? They're like, I don't know. Just just talk about anything. So I was like, okay. So, uh, Tommy Loves Soup is this, like, sort of playful joke about liking everything, like, cooked up, mixed up, made into one delicious new thing. So, that's, like, the... It's not about literal soup. I do like soup. It flows better than Tommy Loves Casserole. Yeah. (laughs) Tommy Tommy Loves Soup is, um, it just means that uh, everything's better cooked together. Well, you said you've lived a kind of a lot of different kind of like on the musical side of things. So yeah. you have a background being a musician in bands? My uh, start in music uh, was being a punk band, uh, front man of a punk band when I was in high school, and then running an acapella group when I was in college. Um, did not think that I would work in music. It's got in advertising um, was my thought process. But in the uh, 2008-9 uh, collapse of all things. I wound up um, not having a job and needing to do some things, and just decided, yeah, I'm gonna help. My, I'm gonna work with a friend of mine and start a recording studio. Oh, um, we're gonna just start up a music festival, like 
what the hell? Um, there's people that I know who are wanting to make music. And so I wound up getting into sort of a support role in music by accident with a background in music, but then not promoting myself ever as a musician myself since um, maybe 2000. Yeah, maybe not. I've never really, like, since high school have I been, like, doing bills that, like, Thomas Fox was on the, was on the, I'm playing at the B-Side patio on Saturday because a friend of mine asked me to, and he knows that I know how to play music. But, like, it's very rare that you'll see me out playing somewhere, and I have no plans to, like, release albums or anything like that. Um, I have some recorded music, but... Um, yeah, that's most of my music. When people know me in music, it's from, geez, I've produced, I don't know how many music festivals, concerts, um, like many dozens and dozens and dozens of music videos, live music videos, um, your videos are good. The, uh, uh, the, um, even the promo, I mean the eight. I, I cannot remember who I was talking to about this, but what we were talking about like the the quality of like a video, the, the a video or audio or anything, it's something really, really, really quick. If it's really good, you don't. It's just we're we're expecting it to be good. We don't really notice things like that that you probably just bury yourself in and make sure that everything works perfectly. We just expect it to be good and we don't notice it until it's bad. Right. You know, when you sent that video, I was like, awesome video. And then I went back, I was like, this is a really good, well done video. Yeah. The, uh, the, the kind of little promo, the I'm, the I'm from Cleveland, isn't that what it was yep. with? Yeah, yeah. I released that with I'm from Cleveland. That yeah. was fun. I didn't really know what I was going to make. I, I put that on my LinkedIn, sort of a story about making that. It was super simple. I have, um, uh, and I'll make things on my own all the time, but this is kind of a high stakes piece uh, and high. Um, this this entire project, the Golden Hour at North Coast Harbor, this is a really big event. I've been working towards making a lakefront music event for decade or more. Um, it's it's a really the like, politics that are involved in doing these things. Uh, very challenging, but when it comes down to it, things just happen to happen really, really fast. So I had, um, I always do things with collaborators and I put together a team. Um, some people I've worked with for a really long time. Some people I haven't worked with very long at all and, um, have a mixture of backgrounds. Some that have, um, more like business community, uh, marketing backgrounds, some that are really into, um, music marketing. And I, and I added it all up. I was like over everybody that we have here, there's over a hundred years of marketing, like music and event marketing, like in this team. And I was like, holy crap. And I have, I had everybody on a text thread that I'm just like, I made a, a rough draft and I sent it over to them with, I had a pile of, of scraps of footage that were from my past events, some that were from like dance videos with the artists that we are featuring, some that were from uh, some uh, aerial drone footage that a friend had sent to me. 
and I threw it all together, put some graphics in, sent it to the team. I said, what do you think, guys? And they were like, dude, you this has got to get better. And, and I was like, fuck yeah, let's, uh, all right, what do you, give me, give me some, give me more. What do you, what do you think? What's, what's total dog shit and we got to get it out of here. And we did that for. The start, the middle, the end. Start, the middle, the end. I mean, they said stuff like, I mean, we had, I had a lot of space. So it was like the black bars so we were like, we're doing it. And it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to get rid of, the, we're going to just fill up as much of this space um, a lot of times I'll do things and I'll just want to have um, white space, make it so that things can breathe, so that attention can draw. And then sometimes you really just want to create a sensory overload. That's yeah. that's sort of – so we did those things. and Nobody really liked it that much at all until – and nobody asked for it. I just decided I was going to put a voiceover. And then once I put the voiceover on – Everyone was just like, dude, this is it. It's, and uh, we, we kept tweaking it a little bit more, changed some colors, went a little bit too far and had to bring it back. But yeah, it took like four or five hours on, uh, on random Thursday. I knew that it was coming up and everybody that it was, it was a really, that was a really fun. We, we'd gone through that same process with the, with this, uh, this graphic for the poster art, which they did the same thing. I, I sent it to them and they're like, this is garbage. And then we just were like, okay, why is this garbage? And then quickly like, just, just tweaked it up. Tiny fixes, tiny fixes. And then you don't necessarily go too far and you make something that you're like, cool. All right. Let's roll it out. It's, it's again, it's weird. like you start like, oh, little tiny fixes. And all of a sudden, well, I mean, probably for people like you and people that are also working on that, you maybe will notice things that can actually make a world of difference for, you want to call it common viewers like me, to make it so we just don't notice anything other than the actual content and what you're promoting or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's when I saw the video, because I mean, it was 20 seconds, maybe, maybe even less. Yeah, that was around there, probably yeah, 30, but, 20, 30 um, seconds. I mean, I was like, this is really well done because I, it's, it's just kind of in and out. And then, you know, obviously the, the, the Apostle Jones also called me because Mike, he's met on. He's a oh, really yeah, good guy. I'm almost certain he's the first person that mentioned Grey Culture to me, too. That's possible. Yeah. He's um, a good friend of mine. Great guy. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed talking to him a lot. He's just a cool dude. And he's just one, also one of those guys that, like, a lot of people hit me up after Mikey came on and was like, what was he like? I'm like, I don't know. He's just like a normal guy. <laughs> you know, he's got like this, you know, I think a lot of people just are really big fans of him and of Apostle Jones and are just big fans of them and the music. I think they're expecting, I don't know, something just, something different from him. Or and I'm like, no, he's just a normal guy. He's just a really talented dude that we all like. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I really enjoyed him. I'm almost certain he's the first person that mentioned great culture to me. Um, And then after... I posted the thing about the tribute bands, which got a little more traction than I thought it would. Uh, and you would responded about that too, along with 10 other people. Most people were like, yeah, you're probably right. Or I don't know. It doesn't really matter. You actually got a little bit deeper into it. And then we just started talking and eventually you came on. But I think uh, Yaya actually mentioned uh, you to me too. Oh yeah. Yaya's great. Yeah. He's a really, really good guy. I talked to him uh, last week and, but after we were kind of going back and forth and I didn't even mention that you were coming on. He was like in great culture. I don't know if you've seen some of those shows. They're awesome. Yeah, he's um, he's been uh, he's been a good 
he came on when I was doing a show. Uh, it was probably, I think I've only known him for a little over a year, um, maybe a year and a half now. And he, he's, he's, every single show that I've done since I've met him, he's been around part of in some way. Um, really, really been a blessing to have him. He's a really talented guy as well. Um, the the space for um, the shows for all the stuff we do, it's literally the literal space, like physically where we're gonna have music. Um, so going to private roof decks, the the concept for Golden Hour was. We're going to go to private roof decks that are otherwise unaccessible because they're private spaces. The public is not uh, allowed to go here. You would have to be a resident of these buildings. So we'll work with the property managers of these buildings and say, this is my crazy idea. Like, And I think that it'll be good for everybody. Um, but can we figure out how to host a live concert on this space? And the logistics are crazy and people shouldn't like it's I've had other people tell me they're like oh yeah I don't know how you do that because the logistics of actually getting like all the all the band the the food the 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 drinks the the everything like just putting this into a space where it is really beautiful and refreshing and the sound in open air sound is so much better in an open air environment when you're on top of uh, these like rooftop spaces the sound for these concerts is not like washing you away like blowing you like some a lot of times when you're listening to live music in indoor club environments and I love it live music in all it, forms yeah I, it's just it's so um overwhelming that you can't hear it the sound just bounces off the, the walls. sound the sound is so yeah. overwhelming and so many and there's like so many just frequencies that are like like managing live sound inside versus like totally open air um Oh my gosh, it's it's so good, and people, the reactions from people are always it's just nonstop. We that's we've sold out twelve consecutively. That's amazing. The every literally everyone we've done has just been full to capacity. So the 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 golden hour, yeah. like the name itself. So does that have to do with the time of day that it's actually? Like yeah, the, golden hour is a photography word, right? Or, I mean that. So we, the photographers use the word golden hour for the time uh, the light comes in and it makes perfect, everything yeah. makes everything look golden. Yeah. It's uh, the light's softer. Um, when you have if you're in a studio and you go under this, the down lighting creates shadows, like irregular spaces where you're down lighting creates shadows that aren't just flattering. So at sunset, Everybody looks their best, which is part of the thing, too, is like, yeah, I want to go to a show, and I just want everyone around me to look sexy as fuck. And I want to be one of those people. And I want to be one of those people. <laughs> I want to look really good. I want to go. One time this week. And I want to look sexy. And, like, really, you know, 
whether it's the lighting or it's your own attitude, that happens a lot at Golden Hour. People just come. It it feels you feel people feel amazing because of the light and the energy and the drinks are amazing and the food's amazing and the music is curated and is amazing and the air is fret like this. It's just and we set it up on a on like there's a timeline of like five o'clock. There's a talk on technology and we have a small group that's like very intimate. It's literally talking, but everyone's still like getting in and starting to buzz. Then there's like a, a, a step up in music level. And then there's the main feature at sunset, which is like the big live, like the, the big booking that we have. So like two feet uh, is coming in there playing the sunset. And then after you've gone through to the point of like, this is huge, amazing, then we turn up the lights, turn up the speakers, um, and have a DJ set into the night. We call it the Twilight DJ set. And it just takes all of this energy that's been building and building and building and blows it off the top. And when we turn it off, everyone's satisfied. <laughs> I mean, that's it's not even everything you've described is not just a show. It's not just music. It's an experience. Oh, you're, yeah. You're everything. And it's it's one of those things where people are like, you, you hear people, you ask people like, hey, how was your night? You're like, well, this happened in the food. Just I don't know. Everything just was perfect. Everything. We couldn't ask for a better night. And when you think about kind of what goes into that, especially what goes into what you're doing with the golden hour, with uh, with great culture. I mean, you you mentioned it. Drinks, food atmosphere crowd music sound lighting location i mean i mean most of us if we're doing a live show or going to a live show would be happy if we got three of those let alone eight or ten no we're checking off everything yeah that that's and that's the thing and i think it's another thing that's uh that's impressive and i think why i've heard about great culture a couple of times was because they're like it's not just going to a show. You and I can leave here right now. And we can go find a show to go to. That's not hard. It's finding a show that kind of that you really kind of. Everyone knows that show that you remember. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like like what are those shows you're just like oh man remember that that was just like, you don't say I, we went to the show like we had a great night everything about it worked. There's and, a lot of things uh, I had. I gave a when I was starting a gumboot music festival in 2016. I gave like an hour long like presentation. I got every it was it was a fundraiser, and I was like, enough people wanted there to be a, a national music festival, and that was the first time that I was trying to do a lakefront event. It was 2015, 2016 was when the event was happening. And I I called everyone. Was like, okay, chip in. I'm gonna give a presentation for like an hour on all this stuff and. I remember talking about um, the shows that you remember and a piece of it wasn't any of these things that we're, we're focusing on right now within Golden Hour. It was within the rising acts. So when you see, um, when you see an act before there's somebody, like you're like, oh yeah, I saw it and I have the concerts tub to like seeing like what was one of your do you have any acts that any shows that you saw in the 80s or 90s that were like 
the bands be- then became you were like okay i saw oasis at the grog shop with like 200 people and there's something that's there about going to see live music and there's this this uh, anticipation about um the potential that exists within the artists that are doing things now that's a lot that that's an area that's really difficult to explore because you don't necessarily know like or maybe you do maybe you're there and you're like holy crap this band this is amazing yeah um i've i've been trying to figure out all over the i would say since 2009 when i accidentally fell into doing like this music, this role, like in supporting music and and art, trying to figure out, like debunk, like what is that thing? What are those things and the circumstances? Sort of like in a study of creativity, like what's where does the magic come from? Um, just been looking for it. I mean, oh, and for anyone, just to be sure, uh, Oasis did play at the Grog Shop in the 90s, by the way. Yeah, I um, know for a fact. Yeah, I yeah. did too. <laughs> Were didn't, you there? I didn't know. I wasn't there. Yeah. But for a summer, because I, I used to live on the east side, uh, for a summer I worked doing some promotion stuff at the Grog Shop, just a little, not, not even, I don't think I was directly working for them, but doing promotion stuff, and I would hang out in there. And it, with the old Grog Shop, not the one that's there now, it was basically on the other side of Coventry, um, but they had all the pictures of everyone that has been there, and there's a lot of bands there that you wouldn't, you just wouldn't believe that kind of were in this small place at one time. And Oasis was on there, and I remember the picture of Oasis being up there, and I remember asking him like, "Were they really here?" He's like, "Yeah." Like when they came over, like you know that they had to tour first. We didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. It was before they really kind of exploded. And yeah, they played in here with like a hundred people, maybe hundred fifty people. I don't know. It's hard to tell because Grog Shop's not a huge place. Yeah, yeah it was the old be- Grog Shop. Yeah, so the old not, one. The one that was on the other side yeah, of Coventry. Yeah, the one that yeah. was right on, uh, it would have been in like Coventry and, was that Mayfield Road? Yeah, right before you get to Mayfield Road. Yeah. Yeah. They no. moved it basically to the other side of Coventry now. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know where, where that Mongolian barbecue is. I don't know why that's the only landmark I know over there is the Mongolian barbecue. <laughs> I think that was that was kind of a fun piece of learning for me um i I worked with kathy at the grog shop for a very very brief window um and the just realizing when she would make bets on who she was going to work with and why and she works with she's probably i don't know she's probably worked thousands and thousands and thousands of bands. I have no idea what the total count of number of, of acts that have played in Cleveland because of her. And there's other promoters as well, but like when you're going, okay, yeah, let's do this and you book Oasis. Um I, I've had an experience like that before. I in 2013 uh had an a guy I was listening through. I've always like I've listened to tons of music and doing a summer concert series in 2013. And there was a couple of acts from Texas that I was like, just reached out to them cold and was like, Hey, if you guys are going to be touring at all, like we can, we've got a series, let me know. And for like 1500 bucks, 
um, I'm able to get three bands from Austin to stop who had never played in Ohio before. So um, one of them is a band called Marmalakes. And another, the second band is called Wild Child. I don't know if you're, Wild Child is like a huge act now. Um, and then they, the other one that was on the bill was called Shaky Graves. You familiar with Shaky Graves? I've heard the name. J- Shaky Graves is just utterly massive. Um, and I was like, this is, this is what it's like. When you when you book a an, an act, so this is like a little little taste for me of when it, what it's like for Kathy, or when she books a band and goes, this could be Oasis, you know. When you book away, because when you book them, they're nobody. You're you you're it's just nobody. And however you're making the decision to work with this artist, um. So I've spent a lot of time with just what are those decisions like? Um, And I know some promoters, I don't really see myself as a promoter. A lot of people do see me as a promoter because I'm promoting shows, but it's very limited. I'm not like, I'm not rolling dice every day. So a lot of people work in the music industry and they do it by just, we're going to have a show you know, four or five days a week, seven, maybe seven days a week, maybe more. Like sometimes we have multiple rooms going. You're sort of throwing a lot of dice in order to figure to make sure. And you're trying to balance out the losses and the wins. And, and I don't really like to, I've, I just don't like to do that. Um, From the way you've described your involvement in a lot of these things, I, I also wouldn't give you a promoter title. I, I would lean more toward producer, not necessarily producer, but, in the musical sense, but maybe even more like in the movie sense, you know, the, the person you're kind of facilitating I, everything. Yeah. I, I, whenever anyone asks me to give myself a title, I'll say producer. Yeah. That, that's just because you're, you're not in charge of one thing, but you're involved in everything. It sounds like, and that more to me is on the producing side. You're, you're finding money, you're finding workers, you're finding acts, you're combining them all together. You're finding the location, you're doing the, not even really the deals, but you're just you're well. I mean, you're probably doing the deals too. Yeah. But I mean, you're kind of involved in every aspect of it, and that's more on the producer side. I think everyone, every other type of title, has kind of like a set job. That one's more of a you're involved in everything. Yeah. A problem happens anywhere, you're going to be on the call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, and fortunately, I hey, like I really a- like to diffuse. Um, problems as often as they sure. might come up and also like the over this I've been doing all this stuff for a long time and I've I've had some super huge failures that uh make it uh, I know there's some stuff that was a really, really expensive learning curve on how to do all of this. You can't was, do anything like this for a long time and not have Call them a learning experience. Yeah, it's just it's impossible. No one bats a hundred. No, no one bats a thousand. Yeah, it's fun though. Um, yeah, it's really it's really cool. I'm, I, I don't. I feel like, uh, the the teenage version of me is like looks and is like that's what you're doing with your life. <laughs> One, that's how. Uh, and two, like. 
there's a, sort of a double-edged sword on him because look, there's a, there's like a, a good and a bad that sort of um, accompanies like the way like the way the the road goes. Um, but it's it's definitely I think it's pretty cool of being um, on the forefront of making it so that some of this stuff exists which otherwise wouldn't exist. Um, man, I'm I love it. A lot of us, myself included, are kind of fascinated with the behind-the-scenes people. Uh, we we really do. I mean, obviously, we all love the acts because you know yeah. that that's what's going to kind of pull people in is it, the, the the music and the performing. But again, the, everything that kind of goes into that. You know, I I have a friend um, that's been on here. To, I was actually talking to him last night. His name is uh, Mike Went, and he. I is, love Mike Went. I was the, hanging out with him like two days ago. Mike's. I mean. You would never guess that, you know, because it's just the way that Mike is. He's such just like a, a chill, unassuming, just such a friendly guy. And you would never guess that they called him to be like, hey, man, we want to do a Marvel movie here. <laughs> you know, like he's that guy. You know, yeah. he, he's a he's a he's a facilitator, a guy that knows people that can put people together and can kind of get things done. But you can sit down and talk to Mike for several hours and he's not going to tell you that. Right. He's just going to be like, hey, man, I really like movies. Here's one of my he favorites. He does. Or, he loves I'm to see talk you about at a movies. show. Or, hey, have you seen this yet? He's just a, one of them. Just really cool guys that I don't think everyone knows what, how he's involved in stuff or how deep he is involved in stuff. But everyone that meets him is just like, that's a good dude. I, I really, I've, uh, he's been on twice. He's coming on again next week. We're going to do another movie um, episode. That's cool. Um, but yeah, he's, but yeah, it's just when he's just sitting here where he did, the, we did a Top Gun where we watched Top Gun and just joked around about it episode. And, you know, he's just such a cool, friendly guy that can sit down and just talk movies and music for hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I, he doesn't really. He's, um, there's a, where's it at? There's a, I worked a long time ago with like a photographer who did photography for rocks, like large rock bands. Um, and I'm lucky I had a, my employer at the time paid for our whole staff to be like get fo photographs with this photographer who did like just huge name recognition acts. And he made this big deal about um, not fanboying around his clients who were clearly um, like just famous people that you shouldn't be. And Mike has that in spades. Like he, he's so absolutely nice and he's a good dude. You're like, he's a good dude. Um, but he's the same person with super famous people as he is with people just on the street that are asking for directions. Yeah. Like, and that's that's the actual um, space that I think makes like sort of behind the scenes people really successful at what they do is because they don't overvalue or undervalue people because you have to do you have to do both you have to recognize that like this person who is perceivably like all has all of this meaning like it doesn't and these people who perceivably has like no meaning actually 
does. Like there's a, a balance of like there's value in people intrinsically everywhere and you respect that. That's you just that's the that's the balancing act that people that have like Mike's role. Yeah. I can see Mike being like Clay. I can see me not being that way. I don't think I've been around enough famous people to know how I would act. I assume it'd be poorly. I, I feel like, and I don't mean I don't mean like a super. And I think you get starstruck by somebody like Tom. Tom Hanks comes and sits down in your podcast studio. You're like, we've got Tom Hanks yeah, in the like, studio today. Sit down, Gump, and then I would just start naming characters. Uh-huh. I'm like, I saw this movie. Did you see it? <laughs> Did of course you, you saw it. You, you were, were in it. it. Oh shit, that was a good movie, Tom. Yeah. But I don't even think it would be, I, I don't even, it doesn't even need to be a super famous person. I think I would struggle with like, you know, somebody that was on, you know, <laughs> I don't know, uh, Family Matters walked in here. <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God, you're that guy from Family Matters. It seems you've fallen on hard times. Let's talk about Family Matters. <laughs> you know, like I just, I don't know. I haven't been, I'd like to think that I'd keep it together, but I think I know Joe well enough to say that I probably wouldn't. Mm. So, but that's just me. Yeah, I wish I wish I had what Mike had, and I'm assuming you have too. It's uh, but it, I don't know, man. It's I do. I I I think about the times I've seen famous people. I remember seeing an actress. I don't even know who she is. I don't know her name. I just know she's an actress. I was in Toronto. It was during the Toronto Film Festival. I wasn't even there for the film festival. I was there for work, and someone mentioned it to me. Like, I wonder if there's any famous actors. I was like, Oh, is that this weekend? And I did one scan around the restaurant I was in, and I saw an actress that I knew was an actress, and I still don't know who she is. And I told everyone at the table, <laughs> I was like, Is that? I don't know her name, but she's here. And everyone's like, We don't know her name either. Why do you keep bringing this up? <laughs> <laughs> there's somebody here that I'm we're like, supposed to here. care. So you're back there, and I'm going yeah. like this. <laughs> so, yeah, you probably don't want me facilitating anything at your shows. It, uh, uh, it, I mean, it depends on the show. Maybe it fits in somehow. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I'm an open minded person to a degree. These, uh, these, there's so much stuff. You should come to one of my, I've done, I've hosted. Jeez, over a hundred shows. Um, and my, how many guiltless podcast episodes do you have? Two hundred and four was just released. Two hundred and four, man. Yeah, there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's not as much that goes into this, you know. T- truthfully, I mean, and yeah. I'm not. It's just, it's podcasting's easy in my mind. You know, I don't really do a lot of editing because I don't have to because it's a little raw that way. Yeah, and um. I don't know. I don't really see it as work. I get to meet a new cool person. Like I have another one Thursday, you know, and then I did one on, you know, last week. I mean, I, I have three recorded. I have three that are scheduled and I'm talking to two other people. I just like it. It's just, I mean, it's just someone comes over, you maybe have some drinks and you talk just about what they do and literally about anything else. That's not, that's not something that I really struggle with. It's just something I look yeah, forward to. Yeah, um, my talk series is, um, I'm, it's a live event as well. So I'm producing, there's like probably, I don't know, somewhere between 50 to 100 hours that would go into a s- single event with that is featuring one person. Oh, wow. um, so the... Because I'm arranging a space for it to happen, and I'm resp- arranging whatever the music musical feature is, and there's going to be half a dozen community features, and then there's all of that. There's that's I'm not going to go through all of it. 
there's a lot of stuff that's got to happen in order to make one of those talks. And then, uh, I don't know. I don't really know. It's not that it's, it, there's, it's fun. The, I, the best part of the whole thing is what you're talking about though. Um, when I get on the phone with whoever my guest is going to be and I spend like an hour just going through and, and doing prep because for, for my program, it's like a Ted talk and they, I have to prepare the expectations with the guest because I'm not just sitting down and doing Q and a with them. Um, I'm going through and saying, okay, this is the nature of the audience. Um, this is who they are. This is who they are not. And, um, which is uh, a wide swath of creative people. So there's business people that are creative or there are people that are recognize themselves as artists who like want to be better at business in some sense. And then, and then there's people that are serving some support roles and all of these that are all just trying to figure out how do I take the idea that's in my head and get it out into the world? Yeah. So like when you like hear people just say like, Oh, I've got this idea for X, Y, Z. That's a, that's our people. Um, and the more and more that we can get those ideas out into the world. And I sort of process that as being like, if that, that idea that's in my head, that's good. You might also define that as something that's a dream. Like people have dreams and goals and aspirations, all this stuff. It's if you break it down a little bit further, just going and make it not so uh, generically aspirational, you can see other people that are around you that are doing it, like collect little pieces and go like, you want to know what? That's part of, that's now going to be part of my idea now too. And you see that and you're like, you want to know what? The way they did that, I really liked that. And... Um, that's now going to help get my idea out into the world. And this person here, I fuck with them. I want to collaborate. Like we're going to do this. And man, that's really exciting when that happens because people working together towards things really, um, so this is the conversation I get to have with whoever our guests are and they get amped about, okay, I have to share as much of the good stuff within like 20 minutes like I'm giving my it's it's my uh, great big talk, and I'm gonna help all these people figure out how to get like this is how I got my ideas out of my head and into the world, um, and this was a really important part of that, and so they share that as a gift, and uh, the amount of energy that goes through though that's actually the baseline that community that builds around all of that is the start of who comes to the 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 golden hour yeah, shows yeah, yeah. is that sort of community of like more creative thinkers. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that you mentioned something that's really interesting. It's not just, you mentioned talking to the guests about who your audience is going to be, like who's going to be kind of receiving this. I think that that's, that part gets lost. I think a lot. Um, and I don't think it's like to, to the fault of anyone. I think more of us, myself included, is like content, 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 content. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm I'm looking at each guest as a new audience. So like you know, you maybe bring a new audience for your episode next week. Someone brings out a new audience. And that's oh, sure. how it slowly, slowly builds. But it's interesting. 
I don't think I've ever heard it put that way, is, is who's going to be receiving this. So how are you identifying and then kind of conveying that to the person you're talking to, like, like the audience themselves? The audience, them, so the, the speaker, whoever I have is a, a speaker. Yeah. Um, well, that's the expectation of how I invite people to attend. Um, and that is who attends our events. That's in earnest. Like, so, um, yeah. And as, and as our speakers are speaking, Speaking to that audience and it, it resonates, it winds up attracting more people who who want this. Um, that's, I don't know if I'm really answering. No, no, no. But I, I think I, I probably didn't ask, a, I didn't ask it accurately either. Like, I don't think if, if even someone came in and said, you know, who listens to your podcast? I'm not sure I could tell you. Well, the, the, that answer is typically met for a media company. Yeah. Um, in a way that you can sell your audience to advertisers. So that's something that's been very difficult for me because the way that I identify my audience is not easy for advertisers to buy. Okay. They're like, okay, how old are they? What are the uh, things that they're interested in purchasing? And I'm like, Drugs. that would be, yeah, <laughs> that, that would be, that's really like confining to whatever, what the thing that makes everybody that unites everybody because we've got a wide swath. Most people are younger. There's a, it's 25 to from an advertiser's sort of standpoint, like 25 to 45 is the biggest chunk of audience that we have. It's probably around 70%. But then there's a little bit of uh, there's a, there's a chunk older than that. Not too much younger than that. We have like sort of more like middle career centered space. Um, but then the industries that they work in all over the map deliberately because we are trying to find things that uh, are going to be like inspiration, ideas that can be you know borrowed from here, there, or anywhere that aren't from our mainstream place of like what's everybody else in the consumer packaged goods space doing that's not the question you want to be asking you just you want to just be looking everywhere for for more broadly how to uh do something that's going to be different than your competitors you're not going to do that from studying exactly people who are doing the same exact thing as you yeah um so you need to be looking around at people that are doing things differently maybe just how think it's it's antithetical and it drives me nuts but because advertise the way that people want to buy advertising is who are what's the customer profile what are they what do they look like what is it they buy what are they, so when you're looking for audience definition it's typically created with the end goal of selling um placement so that you once you've built audience you can sell access to the audience yeah well even like the the, uh, the other that that's a difficult question to answer is because it could change literally every month uh depending on, i mean when you're talking well, about like what are people buying you know what is my audience buying there's a lot of factors that can actually go into that yeah. so i mean it can really kind of vary a lot i think you're still going to have the you can still narrow down like a core like a, a type of person, your profile, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I, I think it would vary a lot, especially if you're talking to a lot of different types of people. Yeah. 
Like, I don't mind. Mine's, I don't know. I've had people as young as 22 on here, people as old as 60 on here. Uh, every, I mean, fighters and comics, musicians, fighters. entrepreneurs, models, yeah. idiots. <laughs> Sadly, more idiots. Uh. <laughs> you know, movie enthusiasts, people that I just think are funny. You know, people that just are, are content creators, people that people that run a bar that I just love. Oh, you it's know? a bar that you love. Jukebox. Jukebox? Jukebox in Hinchtown. Cool. One of the first bars I ever went to when I moved up here. And uh, I still love it to this day. That's where I had my live show in March. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex is a good guy. Alex is a great guy. Um, also a guest. He asked me, he's like, why did you ask me to come on? I'm like, I really like your bar. He's That's like, thanks. Great. That's maybe not a great reason to have someone on your podcast. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think it is. It's amazing. He's the most knowledgeable person of that area that I've ever met. I always joked around. I don't know where, you know, Hingetown, Cleveland, Gordon Square, and Ohio City start and end, and he walked me through it. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's uh, that's a that's a fun little one. Uh, Hingetown was an invented phrase just a very just a few years ago. Um, I don't really care for it, but it's not uh, something that's going to change. That area was called Franklin Circle for a very, very long time. Um, but it was um, it was in rough shape, and that didn't have any weight to it. Yeah. Um, and Franklin Circle also was not no longer a circle. They recently developed that uh, plaza, not Plaza, like right outside. So Franklin now has a roundabout in it again. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So Franklin Circle, um, that area, and that's that's one of the oldest parts of all of Cleveland. Um, that's the one that's changed the most since yeah. I've moved. I mean, it's now nine years. Yeah. I mean, City of is very different. City of Ohio, and we're talking like I don't know, 150, 200 years ago, like bef- before the foundation of Cleveland proper the city of ohio was up on the hill over there um healthcare the first hospital clinic i would say uh, was over there and um the first uh churches and um in these spaces where communities build around these like resources which are extremely important to have so but yeah, that Hingetown is is a made up phrase uh, for uh, development, um, and because we need to market neighborhoods, so this was like a, a phrase was invented to say like, oh, it's the the corner between Gordon Square, the hinge between Gordon Square and Ohio City. Yeah. It's all it's. That entire neighborhood is all Ohio it's, City. It fascinates me though, because yeah. so I, I'm from Akron and we don't really have that. Yeah. Like th- there's not, I mean, they're literally, if I go from here, just drive down Detroit until I run into downtown, I go through five neighborhoods. <laughs> you know, I go through, you yeah. know, Gordon Square, I'm going through Hingetown. Like we don't have that in Akron. They're like, where do you live? Like the bad part. <laughs> Where do you, oh, you live in the bad part? I have friends uh, in the bad part. Like, we don't have names. Like, you're not going to pass multiple neighborhoods. You're just going to pack multiple crime sites. You know, that's it. Yeah. You know, there, there's a, that's yeah. it. Like, that, I, that's why when someone's like, it's over by uh, Ohio City. I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, what? Ohio's a state, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, City. these are, and then someone walked me through it. I'm like, that's, 
that's an awful lot of neighborhoods in a six mile stretch of the same road. I I love Ohio City so much. I live I live right there, like sort of in the Ohio the Market District, Franklin mm. Circle, Hingetown area. Like I I live right there, um, and it's awesome. I love every like I think of all the places around here. Downtown's the thing I go to the least. Like I love, yeah. I love, I do really like Hingetown and Gordon Square. I love that whole area. I love Ohio City. That's typically where we go. Tremont sometimes, but we kind of stick like within like right around Detroit, just like that little street. We, we love that. I think that that's gonna change a little bit here because we love these. Um, there's like this urban uh, space and all of these, but with all with all the high rises and stuff coming in. Yeah in Ohio City and uh, Tremont and um, there's a ton of more people like there the whole city club building on mm. Euclid is transforming it as this keeps happening and there's more and more and more residential downtown there's going to be more full-time urban density downtown they're going to emerge into neighborhoods that people hang out in and don't just visit i really think that uh that's i I did a presentation on this and presented it within the city club in like 2014 um and i still feel this way that the bridge the uh that and they just opened it up to the public the detroit superior bridge when they figure out the foot traffic to actually bri- to literally bridge Ohio City and downtown together, it's going to fuse the neighborhoods. Yeah. And it's going to be a way, way bigger and more exciting Cleveland all the time. That's cool. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of evolution I think still coming. I mean, again, just when I think about, think about coming up here when I was a kid, you know, I mean, oh yeah, that we didn't. That wasn't a thing. Well, there was, was strict car in, you're culture. Like, get out after the yeah, game. You go to the end, <laughs> and then you leave. Yeah, don't hang out. Get out of here. Yeah, you know, but that's it's not the same now. It's it's, it's very again. Just in the last since I moved up here, everything has changed so much. The, like the high rises are on the shoreway too. They keep adding those condos too. You know, I mean, they're adding them because people keep buying them and moving into them. Yeah, I mean, those things are huge and expensive, and they're nice. Yeah, there's. I mean, that's. It, it's all complicated. They, uh, they're. I don't think that uh, you're gonna. People that are doing those are taking bets, and as more of them happen, some of them are gonna succeed, and some of them are gonna fail. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And that's yeah. Just because we see buildings going up doesn't mean that all of them are going to stay full of people, <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know. Some of them might not even get the construction finished. Like you never, I you never know. Um, this is there's. It's definitely inspiring to see cranes though and towers like building upward happening all the time is exciting. Yeah, it is. My only worry, and I've talked about this with a bunch of different people, is I just I. I hope it doesn't inspire too many people to move here and ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. I remember being in a cat in a Uber on in going in Nashville. I flew to Nashville to see a concert for one night, uh-huh. probably like five years, four years ago, four or five years ago. I don't know when. And uh, the guy in my Uber was so pissed. 
I was like, man, there's a lot of high rises going up because I know, man, everyone's ruining this place because <laughs> the cost of living skyrocketing. He's In like, Nashville? Oh, he's like, 20,000 people are moving here every month. Like, it's just mm-hmm. everything is being ruined. <laughs> yeah. He was like genuinely upset when I brought it up. And it was like, I wasn't even talking to him. I just looked over and was like, man, there's a lot of construction, a lot of high rises. He's like, yeah, there is. They're ruining Nashville. I'm like, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to bring up a sort of subject. Can you just take me to my hotel? I don't. Yeah. In fact, I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We're not going to. That's not going to happen here. Are they, I mean, no, the weather will keep people away. <laughs> the weather will some. We'd also have to have industry pick up that people can find work. People like that's uh, the, the first tier of all of that is the place has to be attractive for people to live, which is something that, that Cleveland's like really working on the cultural space. Um, but the business community also has to, in order for things like full ecosystem to work, have, there has to be um, an economic engine that's really humming and creating work for people to do. Yeah. But not, this is the great thing. People create work. Like if there are people, people create work. Um, but there isn't necessarily like systems of financing, like with money moving around. Like that's a, that's when uh, I think that that's the thing is that money just has to be become more available for the high talent. I, I, this is getting boring. No, it's not because no. you see the reason that I I think that it still can happen is because of the emergence, the growth, and I think the now staying of remote work. Because you don't have to live in the city where you work anymore. You can, I don't, I haven't, I have not gone into an office since March of 2020. And I don't think I'm ever going to. Yeah. The, um, you can now live in a place with a much more, you know, realistic, you know, cost of living and get a California or a New York salary. It's just something that you can do now. And I can tell you from the last two companies I worked for, companies, our clients were saying, we got to get more people in the office, more people in the office. And it's just not viable, at least not now, because it cuts your talent pool by 80%. If you yeah. if you start telling your workers, hey, you got to start coming into the office even two days a week, they're like, nope, I'm going to go find a job. It'll pay me less, but I don't have to go into the office. So it's kind of a wash. Mm-hmm. There's too much remote available work to people. So it's it's just something that clients, I think, are kind of becoming more accustomed to. I think it's going to be a little bit obviously different in like in New York because there's such a concern to not hollow out the cities. But I don't know. I, I think you, you can't. It's great for workers because now you can apply anywhere in the country mm-hmm. versus you don't have to. Like it was like for what you were talking about, like if everyone wants to work in Cleveland, you got to find a job in Cleveland. I mean, that's just not a thing anymore for at least for like a lot of people like like me that have more kind of corporate, you know, based jobs. It's just I mean, I could pull up LinkedIn right now and I can find, you know, I could find 300 jobs that were posted in the last two days. None of them are in Cleveland, but they're all remote and they'll all at least consider me if I can get through the interview process. Yeah, there are a lot of jobs. All like what because you can go and work almost anywhere. I yeah. I have some friends that were uh, thinking about. They were just here uh, over the holiday and in Cal. They live in California, and they're like, "Well, we both w- can work remote, so why not move to Cleveland and keep our 
and where we can buy a house for yeah. probably um, maybe a quarter of what we might buy something <laughs> or le- or less. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've still had rising uh, prices for things here. And if somebody's going to rent, that makes the these that makes all these towers going up. I don't know. Maybe I'm just I see it and I see people playing in the in that game and that like real estate space and I'm just I'm kind of bored with it. Like uh I'm more just being that that's we're we're going to have a bubble probably every 8 years now. Yeah. I uh, it's 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 or not, I don't know, but it's it's still it's just one of those very volatile things that I'm like that I understood 10, 12, 15 years ago when everyone's like real estate's the way to go it always now it's just I mean even my house value it's it's changed drastically up and down three times in the last six months yeah it's just I don't I don't know it's a uh, well that's why I do podcasting and not real estate <laughs> <laughs> for, as a hobby you don't need yeah. brains for this <laughs> yeah well, I, yeah I mean, some part of me thinks you don't need that much of a brain for real estate either you just have to like that's about rolling dice too and yeah there's some there's a lot of like hard work that goes into it but it it's just Oh, it's an exhausting thing to just be thinking about money. Um, yeah, it is. I'm thinking about it. I'll think about it tomorrow. Yeah. Have to I'm gonna use put, it to I'm buy gonna, shit. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put it off. I'm gonna put off thinking about money. Well, yeah, you figure out that method. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna change the game if you can figure out how we don't have to think about money. Anymore. Uh, that is, I think there's a lot of people that want to not think about money. Um, well, I don't want to. I uh, just like man. Yeah, we have to. But the it's, if there's like a missing amount, I feel like that's actually part of um, like creative process as well. Is like escaping from the that like identification of adulthood. Um, oh yeah, I, I get that, man. I mean, it's it's whether it's something you can kind of do full time or even something like this, like a hobby. Like yeah, I I can't just. You know, work, get up, eat, watch some TV, go to sleep, and do it all over again. Like I gotta, I gotta mix things up and do a little, something that doesn't make me think about those things. Yeah. Whether you want to call it creative or distractive, which I don't know, they're kind of the same for me. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, it's just something else like that. Do you just frame a picture of your dog? Yeah, it's like his high school photo. It's his high school. Oh boy. Yeah, it's like a senior picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all American dog. Yeah. 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 Yeah, things really went downhill from there. He's got a lot more white <laughs> in his face. Um, so great culture. So I mean, it, where do you want to take? Is this like something like you know, if I ask you this today, tomorrow, or Friday, you might have a different answer. Like, where, where do you want to take great culture, the golden hour? Like, like is it just going to be like a an ever changing, not necessarily goal, but just kind of like ambition that you're kind of looking at with it? Yeah, there is there is a. Um, focus on now uh like a like a, a living today there's there's stuff you know we have plans that are six months a uh, year plans and then there's but it's not a, a definite we're we'll definitely like follow opportunities and there's pathways and like this is I've been I've been sort of just like dialing the knobs in for a long time and the Golden Hour program is getting really dialed in and, and it's scaling up. 
and the Great Big Talk program is getting dialed in, and it's also scaling up. Um, the Great Outdoor um, concert series is super small. Uh, I've only done three of them, but it's a really big part of the future to me uh, as um, this sort of music and nature of concert series. Yeah. It's sort of like yeah, tiny desk, but filmed in the middle of an epic natural landscapes. So deliberately go like bringing artists and doing really high end video and audio production in the middle of nowhere and sort of just breathtaking environments. I really like that. I don't even know what I was watching, but I was watching Tom York do something all honestly, I don't know where he was. It looked like he was just like sitting like on a, in the middle of the woods somewhere just playing songs on his acoustic guitar. Yeah, but it, that could but be the, cool. the production of it was I'm like I'm I don't know what it was, but it was not just him sitting on a stage or sitting in a room. It's because of where he was, it's what really kind of drew right. me in and made me sit there and watch the entire thing. It's that's a that, really that cool element idea. of place is really important and that's so that's present in our other programs as well. Yeah. Um but I think I like Great Outdoor because it's deliberately non-man-made environments, and um, they're, each one of them is connected to land conservancies that are organizations like helping to preserve natural environments from being developed. Um, and that's it's one of those things like that's not just a given. We don't just have like national parks and and conserved like wildlife spaces. We we won't just continue to have that unless we actively uh, decide together as humanity <laughs> that we are going to have them. And so that effort is all rooted. And there's there are thousands and thousands of land conservancies around the country. And, and I want to work with as many of them as I can to bring audiences into those spaces because all as there's awareness, there is, like we were talking about public like as there's awareness, there can be public support, and where there's public support, they can um, you know, perpetuate um, those spaces. So, the Great Outdoor is a really important project to me. There's some others that are um, named and in concept and in construction on the back end for me that are like unannounced, and so you could see. Some other stuff. So, so an example of there's a, we are producing a show, a, a festival on Putin Bay on September 2nd. So gorgeous property on a Lake Erie on Putin Bay, a private resort for about a thousand people and bringing national acts into this. It's set up by a brewery, Saucy Brewworks, guys that we've oh, worked yeah, with yeah. before. And um, this is their show, and I set up, I set up a concert for Saucy Brewworks on this property for them. So they're gonna have this thing. It's, it's kind of uh, all of my, all of the, all of the great culture engine, um, like. But they are, it's their show. Yeah. Um, and this is this is a little bit of a, an experiment, but I think that there's not really too many other people that are doing. And and this is 
this is a, a project that's in development that could get more attention for us with with other people. Um, with like, let's say that you want to host a, a concert and you want in a space in a a house concert or for a business. Um, you don't know where to do it or how to start, and there's a lot of confusion in the music industry. We're we're kind of trying to figure out how how can we support people that want to make more music happen? Yeah. Um, because I can't actually do all of it myself. Like I can't even do all that I want to do. And there's artists that I love and respect that are, and this audience is hungry for things. I'm like, how do I figure out, I got to figure out how to empower more music to happen. So I think that that's like kind of a, a general like direction for a great culture is how do we make more music happen? How do we make more like art, creativity, et cetera, happen? That's kind of why it's great culture is because it's just culture. What we decide to do is people. And I mean this, that great is a, it means uh, great, a great. It's uh, just pursuing positive perspective to, figure out how to make something awesome. Yeah. Um, so like any of the artists that I really want to work with, whether they identify as entrepreneurs and are, have a great, brilliant business idea, they're taking some thing that isn't, isn't very good and like some bad set of circumstances, some sort of problem solving and creating something better. So that happens within people who identify as artists or as entrepreneurs. And I'm like, just more of that. So that's our program, our programs, the stuff that I'm making is in support of that. That's, that's the direction. Is there Um, anyone that you are working or about to work with that you're excited about or anyone that you haven't yet that you'd really love to do something with? Um, as far as, as like musical acts go, um, uh, I was super excited about doing, I was, did some, usually when people ask me about acts, I have to say that I don't know who I want to work with because the project that I'm going to produce is in six months to a year or maybe further. And the people that I want to work with right now, I'm, I'm, I, I can't necessarily just go like star searching. I have to go like talent searching and, um, but I was excited. I was had some dates for Great Outdoor and was trying to find acts that would be able to stop through. And uh, Sophie Tucker is, is sort of huge, like EDM uh, DJ. But they do some live instrument. They'll DJ, but they do some live instrumentation as well. And they have a super cool show. And I've, and I've seen some stuff that they've done. This would be really awesome. Um, and we weren't able to make it happen just from timing. Uh, but, yeah, that could happen sometime. I would be super Great. okay with that. Um, there's, uh, I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the list is very long. So... And changing all the time. Well, that's the cool thing about what you do is that the list is very long and you'll always be adding to it. Yeah. So it's not like you're gonna run out of people that you want to collaborate right. and work with. No, I'm not I'm not afraid of ever like running out of work to do. Nah, I don't think you will. 
even just in Cleveland, there's so many great ones in Cleveland. I mean, and now this obviously since you are outside of you know just Cleveland, but there's just so many. There, 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 there's a a new cool act that's coming out you know right now as we're talking about it. Absolutely, you know, there's so many good ones. I mean, I, there's a the the group that we have on. Um, there's this um, on the Shoreway. The Shoreway is kind of our home base for uh, Golden Hour because we did the first two th- summer of 2021. We did five shows on the gold, on uh, the Shoreway, so that really like cemented it in, made it feel like home. We only did one there last year, and it it sold out super fast. This one we don't have the we ha- don't actually have the uh, acts announced. But um, it's the, this band from Brooklyn called the 79, 79.5. Um, and they're excellent. I would not say that they have some large following. Um, but it's going to be a ridiculously cool show. Um, I don't know if they're going to be like some big rise to stardom group or not. It's going to be awesome, though. There's an actor that's on that show as well called Wish Queen that are from here. Okay. Um, and it's a similar sort of vibe, um, sort of like soul, um, soul with some electronic and club beat type stuff. It's, it's awesome. So well, I, I like that too, that you're, you're not, it's not even a genre that you're in. You're in music. It's not a, Hey, this works better with this, or this works better with hip hop, or it's better with rock or indie or anything like that. Yeah, it's we'll just, tap it. There's it's just music. It's really just music. That's I don't cool. know. Yeah, that's really cool, man. I really do. I, I, I we're definitely going to come to a show. My wife and I were just talking about this. Like, we just we we haven't really been able to find like a show that we want to go to, and we love going to see shows. Yeah. So you'll definitely see at least two more people come to seventy. Come to the Shoreway seventy nine five, hey, and we we'll do that. There's a this this thing on the lakefront is another animal. It's golden hour, but like it's it's ten x the the space is ten x the amount of of participants and people pl- like everything is ten x and I've just been so I don't I don't really know what to even expect for it all. Um, I've done bigger shows than this in the past. The most amount of acts I've ever had on a show is uh, 88. Um, Acts? Yeah. Oh, my God. 88. And I don't know if I'll ever top that. Um, That's so many. (laughs) It's so many. (laughs) That is so many. Yeah. So, yeah. And that with 10 stages... 88 acts um i have one stage and uh i would could say four acts here within this golden hour so there's a manageable amount of space uh to me that was that's something that's different over time as well because you know there's some stuff that you could try and go like more 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 and then you're like well, why? Um, yeah, and that's that's all just sort of preference, and I I really like that. I really like what we have right now, with Golden Hour. I, I I can tell you, do like, I, and I can tell you do from something you said probably forty five minutes ago when we were. I made the joke about you know you being the producer. That means wherever the problem is, someone calls you. It doesn't yeah. matter where it is. You know, you're like oh completely. And you're like but 
I want them to call me. Like it's it's you're like the problems are part of what I do. It's not just I mean on the outside is like, Oh, it looks like so much fun. You're like, yeah, it is when it's done. (laughs) But there's a lot that goes into things that again, people like me that don't do those and just enjoy them. Don't think about, I mean, I, I, like I'm doing a live show with like one musical act and and four people in two months. I'm about to blow my head off. (laughs) Cause I'm just like, what if, uh, all right, I'll figure it out. No, you'll be okay. And you're like, uh, 88 acts. And I'm like 80, I don't know. 88 people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I multiplied out on so wait of that that was a super fun challenge. I wound up having ten stage managers, and the so the coordination was just madness. And the people on my team thought I was crazy, um, and uh, but it was it was bonkers. That's um, as bright winter two thousand fourteen. Mm. Uh, two thousand fourteen, yeah. So I only had grown that significantly every year for the first. I mean, that makes sense. It was bright winter, but I didn't even know that they had eighty-eight for bright winter. And I mean, I I I I didn't know they even had that. I knew they had a lot. I didn't know they had that many. That's so many. Yeah, they scale it back. They couldn't keep it up without me. No. no. (laughs) Oh no way. Good good lord no. uh, But I mean, you describe that as an interesting challenge. Most people like I'm not doing that. (laughs) <laughs> you know? it was a, it was a challenge for sure but but it was cool all of the all of the stage managers that I had working with that wound up getting really good connections like they're they're working on I, I just sort of trained everybody that was in and I had a lot of experienced stage like people in the music industry as well and I was like you're in charge over here you can call me but I really want you like I was sort of like created as best as I could people that would just totally replace me in every single stage. Um, and I was like, I don't really. And then the, that, that was the place in time. It wasn't that, that year. It was the previous year. I think that we had f- maybe, maybe 48 or so the previous year. And that was the year that I was like, okay, so in any event, it's the objective is to be 100% unneeded. If there's something that it's like I am supposed to be in charge of that, I need to figure out when it's when it's of scale. So like on a, an event like you're talking about, I can be in charge of all sorts of stuff because your threshold for problem solving is there. But when you get up in scale, there has to be – people that are like it has to be layers of people being able to solve all of those things to a certain anything that challenge it could come up that's that's just an element of putting people in a place that have resourcefulness yeah yeah it's the best quality something um, of that side you can't be involved yeah. in every single question or problem it's impossible yeah you just you, there's not enough time in the day for one person so you need those people that you can rely on to knock out some of those day-to-day operational problems and then pull you in for the really big things <laughs> right yeah i mean and so there's a lot of uh communication between all the all oh. of all of those people. So an element of resourcefulness just means like, okay, there are problems. How are we going to figure out how to solve them now? And even better than that is just anticipating whatever problems could arise. And maybe setting the expectation that this isn't going to be perfect. Um, 
some people are going to get uh, upset. People get, get upset about this or that or that. Okay, so in the element that there is any of these types of problems, this is what we do because there are going to be problems. Like just, just maybe, like if you're going in with the expectation that when there's conflict, like you lost, then there's going to be conflict. Just be determined that when there is conflict, you're going to figure out how to resolve it. Yeah, it's inevitable. But like you said, with the experience that you have, you have enough kind of like historical data, if you want to call it that, to know kind of the do's and don'ts or how to pivot when something comes up or, you know, you're going to have to have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, to make sure that, that, that you're ready to go. But you... Again, I mean, you know, the, the, the things that like, I don't want your job. I want to go to your shows, yeah, <laughs> but I don't want your job. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's something that, you know, comes with, with, with practice, obviously with experience and obviously with wanting to do that. And you clearly have all those. Which At is least right cool, now, man. some days I just want to go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> we all want to go to the beach some days. It's okay. That just means you're just like us. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Well, man, this was a... Uh, I do want to come to one of your shows for sure. I really, my wife and I were just talking about, we don't, we don't know of like a cool place or a cool show or anything like that. And everything that you've described, obviously the golden hour and and then talking to other people too, that know you and, and have kind of expressed the, they're a different type of experience. And that's it was described two different times from two different people as an experience, not a show. And that's what really kind of stood out to me. And then why I kind of brought that up when we were talking about a little bit ago. Um, but I really like that. I, I love the way that you really described it is a, you know, kind of, you didn't say the music's really good. You say we have great artists. Also this and that, the atmosphere, everything. A lot of things that I don't think, I think we all take for granted and, but all really, really want to, I'm excited to see that. And I really encourage anyone to go see one of those as well. Um, regardless of what his IG name says, don't ask him soup questions. <laughs> um, it's not about soup. Um, but I do like Tommy Love Soup. That's a really good one. And I love the reasoning behind it too. That's really good. And everything you described makes sense because it looks like the, for each one of these shows, there's a lot of things going on in that pot. Um, so where can uh, uh, everyone find you? Where can everyone find your stuff? Oh, that's it. That's great.com. G R E Y T. Awesome. Everything's at that's great. That's great. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for coming, man. I yeah, appreciate this, it. This has been fun. I you rattle off a bunch of close friends of mine that have been over here, and everybody said it, they had a great time coming down. So, well, I mean, that's again, that's the best compliment I can give. You know, and that's actually kind of what helps me sometimes when I'm doing these things is. I have enough. That's why I make sure to take the photo with the G and the person. That's why no one knows what I look like. No one cares what I look like. It's, you know, people can be like, you know what? That's awesome. Cause I actually, at the very least, even if they don't know anyone, they're like, I follow some of the people that have been on. It makes them feel comfortable. Right. So that's, uh, that's always nice. But I, I'm glad. Even in, I'm just in passing, I've named a couple of people. I can tell you knew them too, like with Mike and Mikey, other people not named Mike. Uh, and I've had 204 guests. Um, I would, well, I switched a little bit, so I'm, I'm actually like around like 170 because I didn't go okay. guest heavy till a little bit in. So, you know, if you've had around 150 to 170 guests, I would bet I know a lot. I would assume so too. Cross paths. Cleveland's a good sized city, but it's not huge. A lot of people it's just not know huge. each other. And, yeah. and especially we're doing a lot of um, outreach to help people that are doing yeah. like creative projects. And so, yeah, I've had nine, the, the talk series, I've had, I think it's it's 88 or 90 around there 
I don't I mean, we're getting close to 90 is all I know. Um, and those and every single one of those events, there's one main feature and then up to like five other features. So you're you're looking at like four or five hundred feature guests when you go from that whole program. Yeah, it's just and there's yeah, it gets to be a small town pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I the last time and I'll end with that the last time I me and Ken went down to flight uh just to get a drink and uh so obviously I was with Ken who's on every other episode it seems. <laughs> uh we went to flight who Lindsay who owns flight obviously we know her Alex from Jukebox walked in there was Jacob from Gordon Green all these people just keep walking in and as like a impromptu podcast reunion so uh but that's just what can happen everyone just kind of and th- those they all know each other too so it's 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 nice it's cool I, uh, I enjoy meeting and, and uh, being able to hang out with those people and just added you to the list, and I'm excited about that. Um, if anyone is interested, uh, August 26th at Southern Tier in the Tap Room. Uh, again, live podcast, myself, Ken Schneck, obviously, because uh, he just, if I'm doing a live show, Ken's sitting right next to me. Um, we have uh, uh, Jordan from uh, the Locally Grown Podcast, and musical guest Scuff Mixon is going to be closing uh, with a song, All Past Guests. All good friends, all super talented people. Uh, Eventbrite is on the IG page, so please check it out. Uh, tickets are $10. Hope to see everybody there, and I hope to see you again soon, bud. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, yeah. man.